The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Now, from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On. Our world is in big trouble. The Ukrainian conflict is exceeding the seventh month threshold. This remains a war of aggression by Russia. When you are fighting a war against such an, an enemy, you need more weapons. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy and perspective. From D.C.'s top name. There's much too much money that flows in the shadows to influence our elections. It's called dark money. This is what makes people sick about politics. Makes me sick about it. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Russia calls for votes to annex parts of Ukraine before it's pushed out of the country. Welcome to the fastest hour in politics as the U.N. General Assembly gathers in New York against the backdrop of the war and new calls for more weapons. We'll talk military strategy and geopolitics with former Secretary of Defense Mark Esper. Later, a move to reform the Electoral Count Act and prevent another January 6th gains momentum on Capitol Hill. And Senator Joe Manchin accuses Republicans of revenge politics. We'll cover it all with Bloomberg Congress reporter Billy House and our signature panel. Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis are with us for the hour. President Biden on his way to New York now for the U.N. General Assembly. He will speak tomorrow. But today we heard from Secretary General Antonio Guterres, who opened with a bleak statement. Our world is in big trouble. Divides are growing deeper. Inequalities are growing wider. And challenges are spreading farther. Our world is in big trouble, he says, with an eye on Ukraine, of course, where Russia now has called last minute votes on annexing parts of the country after losing a lot of ground the last couple of weeks with the Luhansk and Donetsk regions now set to hold referenda as soon as this weekend. This is just a couple of days away. White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan. The bottom line is that Russia is throwing together sham referendums on three days notice as they continue to lose ground on the battlefield and as more world leaders distance themselves from Russia on the public stage. And Russia is scraping for personnel to throw into this fight. Went on to say President Biden will not address Russia's role as a member of the U.N. Security Council when he talks tomorrow. That's where we begin our conversation with former Defense Secretary Mark Esper. Mr. Secretary, welcome back to Bloomberg. Thanks, Joe. It's great to be with you again. You're on your way to New York as the United Nations General Assembly gets underway. Secretary, is it time to address whether Russia should be kicked off the U.N. Security Council? Well, it's it's a great question. I know a lot of people are debating that. They certainly uh, their behavior in Ukraine has been atrocious with regard to the unwarranted and unlawful invasion. Then, of course, war crimes and everything else. And uh, look, while we'd all like to see, many of us would like to see Russia off the Security Council, I, I think it's unlikely, given the process by which that has to happen. The administration says it doesn't plan to bring it up this time around. Yeah, because I think it's it's likely to fail, particularly as long as you have China on the Security Council as well that will defend yeah. Russia's interests. Yeah. 
President Erdogan of Turkey says Vladimir Putin is willing to end this war as soon as possible. He says they talked about it last week in Uzbekistan, that Russia, he says, should return occupied territory as part of a peace settlement. Some saw that maybe as a, a trial balloon, maybe floating some ideas on behalf of Putin. But we're now with Russia holding these votes, these referenda in Ukraine. Do you see that happening? Well, I'm, of course, not privy to the conversations between Vladimir Putin and, uh, and uh, President Erdogan. Sure. But I'm, I'm sure Putin would end uh, the war immediately as long as it was on his terms. And, and frankly, uh, his terms at this point uh, continue to, to diminish in some ways. Okay, I don't think he's going to end until he annexes more of, uh, of Ukraine. It, they, he seems to be positioning himself that as early as tonight, uh, an, an announcing an annexation of the Donbass, which is the regions of Donetsk and Luhansk. Yeah. He's already uh, annexed Crimea. In, in all those cases, none of this should be recognized under international law because it's completely illegal and unwarranted. But this may be a way by which he tries to, first of all, save some face and, B, change the game in terms of what it means to whether it's a special military operation still or actually a war. Wow. So these things are important. We'll have to see how it plays out. The Biden administration, and specifically Jake Sullivan today, saying Russia will manipulate the results of these votes. That's not even a question in our eyes. Right. So will the outcome of these votes complicate the war uh, or any potential peace deals, or do we just ignore this and move forward with the operation? Look, I, I, we, we know predictably what's going to happen is they, they will vote, these regions will vote to join Russia to be annexed, and that's predictable, and Putin will manage it, manipulate it in whatever way he can. Mm-hmm. I don't think we should recognize them. I think the the sovereign territory, the boundaries of Ukraine have been uh, identified clearly and recognized by the U.N. since the breakup of the Soviet Union in 1991, and we should continue to assist Ukraine in restoring their complete sovereignty, to include Crimea, yeah. by the way. Well, do you worry, though, this would give Vladimir Putin license, at least in his eyes, uh, to inflict more harm on civilians? Boy, Joe, you got to wonder how much more harm can he do to the civilians in Ukraine. He's, he's, he's bombarding schools and maternity wards and hospitals and, you know, the war crimes that are being committed in, in city after city. Every time the Ukrainian uh, military moves forward now in the Donbass region, they're uncovering uh, graves where there's evidence of torture. I mean, it's just horrendous what's happening. And so it's, there's going to be an accounting one day of what happened. And yeah. at the end of the day, Vladimir Putin will be held responsible for all of this. So your thought is calling it Russia or Ukraine doesn't matter. He's already doing what he's doing. He's going to do what he's going to do. Look, yeah. it's Ukrainian territory. He can call it what he wants. And only he and maybe a few other countries may recognize the results of it. But the overwhelming majority of, of United Nations members will still recognize uh, Ukraine's territory, sovereign territory, as what it was at the end of the Cold War. Secretary Esper, the Washington Post reports Russia has now lost 55 aircraft in this war. The Pentagon says Russian casualties now top 80,000, possibly. What would be the fastest way to force an end to this war? Is the answer tanks, fighter jets? What is it? Well, I think now with Ukraine moving on the offensive and doing exceptionally well, I think what you have to have is maneuver assets. And I've, I've spoken about this before. They need to have uh, both fixed-wing and rotary aircraft, rotary-wing aircraft, helicopters, if you will, to move troops quickly around the battlefield. Mm-hmm. And I think that the addition of armor from the West, whether it's German armor or American, whatever the case may be, provided to the uh, Ukrainians will give them the ability to move quickly on the ground on the battlefield, protected. And that's important. Um, but these are things that we should have anticipated. We should have been training and thinking about some time ago. So I'm, I, again, we find ourselves behind the ball 
uh, with regard to where the Ukrainians are and where they need to be. But I think this would be help them in this maneuver phase of the warfare in terms of ejecting Russia yeah. out of Ukraine. Where does intelligence play into this? And I know there's probably only so much that we can discuss on the radio about it, but the shared intelligence can be as valuable or more so than providing hardware. Uh, absolutely. And look, from what you read in the newspapers, we're giving them strategic intelligence with regard to Russian troop movements uh, uh, and possible cruise missile strikes. And we're providing them tactical intelligence in terms of what's happening on the ground right before the uh, opposing forces. So yeah. I think all it is very important to to give them that that type of intelligence about what's happening, what the Russians may be thinking and doing, and then understanding the broader strategic situation as well. Is there such thing as a surge here that there's something that could be done? I mentioned hardware, but with regard to the way the Ukrainian army is using forces, is there something they could do to break lines, something they could do to really put Russia on its heels before winter hits? That window is closing quickly. Yeah, I do think it's key that they gain as much territory back as they can before winter hits, before it slows down the momentum of any of any type of offensive. It will be important tactically, not just in terms of what happens on the ground with their forces and reclaiming Ukrainian cities, but it'll send an important message to uh, the, the Western alliance that Ukraine can win this war. We need to stand behind them, particularly as Germany and other countries face a tough winter. Uh, with reduced energy supplies coming from Russia, mm-hmm. uh, we want them to feel good about their decision to support Ukraine. And if we can make it through the winter, then maybe the Ukrainians can pick the offensive back up and continue to push the Russians out. That's why I think providing them uh, maneuver assets like uh, helicopters, tanks, fighting vehicles is, is, is important. And again, we should have anticipated this weeks, if not months ago. We've provided billions of dollars in weapons to Ukraine, much of it from our own arsenal. How much of a challenge will it be to replenish our stockpiles? I am concerned about our stockpiles. I don't think the issue is money as much as the ability to quickly uh, rebuild those stockpiles. Uh, look, in war, you expend a lot of ammunition, material, and, 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 and platforms. And uh, it's, it's important that we support the Ukrainians because they are fighting the fight that we didn't want to fight. And this is not just a, a combat between two countries, but this is autocracy versus democracy. And so hmm. it's important to support them. But the challenge is our defense industrial base is, is built for efficiency, not for a long, drawn-out fight. And so we have to get our heads around the fact that we have to build stockpiles of arms, equipment, ammunition, material, all those things uh, that's important, Just not, support, not just for supporting our allies, yeah. but supporting our own fight if we get into some tussle with the Russians or Chinese ourselves. How long do you have a sense, having held the job here as defense secretary, how long it might take to do so? Well, look, not just uh, my job as SecDef and Secretary of the Army before then, but, you know, I spent eight years or so in in the the defense industry. It takes months, if not years, to rebuild these stockpiles. And that's going to mean quick infusions of money now by Congress to get these defense companies to spin up uh, uh, lines, hire workers, train workers, build plant and factory as need be, do all these things to make sure we have sufficient stockpiles for the United States and its allies when it comes to things like stingers and javelins and HIMARS and and all those, you know, 155-millimeter munitions that we have been expended on the battlefield of Ukraine. Do we have the chips to do it? Have we stockpiled enough for that purpose? Well, I, w- I want to believe so, but that's why it was very important that uh, several weeks ago uh, Congress passed the CHIPS Act, yeah. Act to uh, bring that capacity back here home to the United States. Now, it'll take a few years, of course, to build that capacity, but that was an important strategic move that supports not just our national security when it comes to defense and defense industry, but also our commercial uh, uh, robustness and the health of our economy. Well, as debate starts over this next NDAA, we've got a lot of stuff to buy, Secretary. 
We do, and it's not cheap, and Congress has to be willing to open up its pocketbooks and think strategically about what we need to win in the 21st century. I'm far less concerned about Russia today than what I might have been two years ago because they've proven themselves to be incompetent uh, in many ways on the battlefield. But China is still out there lurking, and they have ambitions about surpassing us when it comes to leading the, the global order. Mark Asper, former Secretary of Defense, former Secretary of the Army, we thank you as always for the insights today on Bloomberg. Good luck at the UN, sir. Thank you. Thank you very much. We'll assemble the panel next with Rick and Jeannie here on Sound On. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington. This is Bloomberg. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers, and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights, and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. What a night to be arriving in New York. What a week, right? I mean, just to get into town, catch a cab, cross a street, go out to a restaurant. Ask Rick Davis. He's already in the middle of it up there. In fact, we assemble our panel with Rick Davis in New York, Jeannie Shanzano here in Washington, D.C., Bloomberg Politics contributors with an eye, of course, on not only the U.N. General Assembly, but everything we just discussed involving Ukraine with Mark Esper. Of course, Vladimir Putin is not at the U.N. He's busy planning votes in Russian-occupied areas of Ukraine, where Russia has lost ground to the counteroffensive by the Ukrainian military. The Biden administration already calling these sham votes. The idea would be to annex them before they get forced out altogether. Jens Stoltenberg, NATO Secretary General, speaking earlier today with Bloomberg. So such uh, sham uh, votes, uh, referendums, uh, do not have any legitimacy and therefore they don't change the nature of the conflict. This remains a war of aggression by Russia against the independent sovereign nation in uh, Europe, Ukraine. Uh, and uh, 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 this will only uh, uh, further uh, 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 worsen the situation, and uh, therefore we need to uh, provide more support to Ukraine. For further worsen the situation, more support for Ukraine. These are not the kind of things we want to hear uh, at this stage of the game. Seven months in. Rick Davis, what do you think about this idea of holding votes in 
these areas of Ukraine? Does it make the situation more dangerous if they are, in fact, annexed? Dmitry Medvedev, who's now head of the deputy head of the Security Council, says the annexation would be irreversible and enable Russia to use all possible force in self-defense. Yeah, I think this is the threat, right? In in the sense that what the NATO Secretary General was just saying about how it doesn't change the battlefield, but it, it may actually change the battlefield. I mean, th- there is a sense that this is an escalation strategy by Vladimir Putin yeah. to be able to not only use a heightened level of, of weaponry against the people of the Ukraine, because he will claim it's an attack on Russia, but he needs this for uh, his politics at home. I mean, one of the reasons we see this happening is because he has had a counterattack at home domestically uh, about the, the the fact that the war is not going the way he said it was going to. And yeah. both hardliners are saying, we need to do more to defeat these Ukrainians. We need to you know escalate. Uh, while others in his own party are saying, wow, this is like not going the way we thought it was going to go. And so he's gonna call our cards and say, this is now an attack on Russia. And and this is something that he'll try to use in a public domain, but it's just not gonna fly. The rest of the world knows this for what it is. It's just yeah. a naked grab and it's not gonna be a democratic process. And so he'll be the only one uh, talking about this as being legitimate, but at the end of the day, they, they also did this in Crimea years ago, and the world let him get away with it. So I'm sure he's thinking, well, it's just what's the difference? Yeah, he's uh, obviously used this playbook before here. Uh, I wonder how concerned you are about this, Jeannie, with, with the, the sort of climax that we've been seeing, uh, at least in that part of Ukraine, the counteroffensive that was gaining momentum. Is it time? I asked Mark Esper about this. I realize there are complications. It's not going to happen this week. But should Joe Biden at least be calling publicly for Russia to be kicked out of the U.N. Security Council? Yeah, well, we are hearing grumblings, more than grumblings about that. And we have for some time. And, you know, just put it out in the air. Yeah. Well, Thomas Greenfield, uh, U.S. ambassador to the U.N., Linda Thomas Greenfield, Mm -hmm. she has been talking about and voicing support for sensible reform to the Security Council. Some of that proposal includes increasing the number of members. Obviously, they don't have the support for that at this point, but we're hearing more than I said grumblings. It's more than grumblings. We're hearing a lot more talk about that publicly than we have. And I do think that this referendum, to your and Rick's point, we've seen Russia do this before with Crimea in 2014. It worked for them then. We knew because the Kremlin said earlier they were going to do this. I think the fact they're doing it now is a sign of desperation is how badly things have gone for them. They can't sustain this war at home as they try to increase the number of ground troops. They need to increase that support. This is one way to do that to show they are victims they're under attack and they're defending themselves and that's precisely what this is about called a sham or not they go forward with this they will use this defensive posture to justify the war at home yeah well things get more dangerous when they get desperate rick is this the prelude then is this the setup by vladimir putin to potentially use a a, a tactical nuclear weapon well, I, I do think that is one of the reasons why you don't hear a lot about uh, kicking them out of the Security Council, because that is one forum to try and keep huh. their feet to the fire as a nuclear power. I see. Uh, and, and more needs to be done around that. But sure, I mean, he'll claim that there's uh, this is an attack by NATO with their weapons on homeland Russia. Uh, and, and so you can see him building the, the concept around 
this argument that he can do whatever he wants to do because he's actually, you know, having an invading force. Uh, again, he'll be the only one in the world who believes it. I, I would say, too, it just gets him deeper and deeper into this hole that he's digging for himself. I mean, he, he already thought he could use this war to divide the world, right? And all of these people who are going to be, uh, you know, uh, supporters of the Americas are going to be put on the defense because we're going to go right into Kiev and, and, and all my autocratic friends are going to be, you know, uplifted by this. Yeah, right. That's not at all what is happened here and there's a reason he didn't get invited to the queen's funeral there's a reason he didn't come to the uh u.n general assembly i would not be surprised that if he goes through with this he pulls a no-show at the g20 i mean this guy is becoming a global pariah he does no good for his quote allies like china who have been like perplexed by the fact that they couldn't execute on a plan so i do worry about the the limits to what he is going to uh, be held accountable for so why not just give him the migs genie if he's going to keep escalating what's our worry well i think we're going to be pushed to do that pretty soon and and i think that is absolutely what we may be seeing in the in the near future what a thought rick davis and Jeannie shanzano our signature panel together once again on the tuesday edition of sound on the fastest hour in politics bring it to capitol hill next this is bloomberg It's called the Presidential Elections Reform Act, and the idea here is to prevent some of the confusion, if I can use that word, that we saw surrounding the events of January 6th. Reaffirming the vice president can only count the votes, not overturn them, as President Trump had claimed. It would make it harder for lawmakers to object, requiring at least a third of the members in each chamber to support the objection. So it raises the bar here, and and right now it takes just one House member and a single senator Congressman Pete Aguilar of California is vice chair of the House Democratic Caucus. This is more than a quick fix. This is about strengthening our democracy. To craft this legislation, they pulled directly from testimony and evidence that was gathered during the select committee's work in the investigation of the reforms that will prevent another January 6th. And of course, a member of the committee. We're joined to talk about that and a few other gyrations today on Capitol Hill by Billy House, Bloomberg Congress reporter. It's great to have you back, uh, Billy. Does this pass? Does this have bipartisan support? It does not. Uh, I mean, the in the House, uh, the bill will get a few Republican uh, votes. Obviously, Liz Cheney and some of the other Republicans who may have voted for Trump's impeachment. Uh, uh, but it generally will be along party lines. Uh, House GOP leaders have already sent a notice to their rank-and-file members to vote against it. Uh, they don't have to follow that uh, directive, but that's sure. basically where the Republicans are on this. That's where so, we're going here. Does it, how much does it yeah. have to do with the fact that Liz Cheney's name is on this bill, right? She co-sponsored it with, with Zoe Lofgren. That's a good question. Or, or the fact that it, it came out of the January 6th committee uh, more generally. Does that galvanize the GOP resentment or uh, objection to this? Uh, it's a very good question. You know, it's interesting because a few months ago, gosh, a year ago at this point, we were talking about much more comprehensive uh, electoral uh, reform, right? Even Joe Biden went mm-hmm. to Capitol Hill to help lobby for it. They couldn't get it past the finish line. This was considered a much more modest uh, thing that that maybe both parties could get their heads around. What changed? Uh, well, I think they realized the Democrats, who control, of course, both chambers, realized that the clock is ticking. The buzzer will uh, perhaps... Uh, uh, sound off on December 31, and they could find one of their chambers uh, 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 in control after the November 8th election, and yeah. uh, starting in January, uh, in control of the Republicans. So time is running out on, on what they think they want to do. But to be clear for our listeners here, you don't you don't see a path for this, 
legislation? If I if I see a pass, it's clearly after the November 8th election in the yeah. lame duck session, because there are differences between this House bill and the Senate bill. Now, sponsors seem to indicate they think they can resolve those differences, but there's certainly no way it can be done before uh, members leave Washington until uh, until after the elections. Uh, can you articulate a, the sticking points there? What's holding them up? Well, for instance, in the House, uh, the House bill, as you, I think, mentioned that uh, 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 one third of the members would have to vote yeah. to uh, oppose uh, 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 a state's electoral, uh, electoral uh, slate, mm-hmm. while in the Senate it's only one fifth. And that seems very minor and seems like it could be resolved. But right now they haven't uh, resolved it. OK, check back in November with Billy House. Um, I want to ask you about Joe Manchin as well, Billy. Uh, interesting day as he's accusing his Republican colleagues uh, of retribution, even while asking for their support to help pass this energy permitting uh, legislation. Chuck Schumer today says it's going into the CR, the continuing resolution that will fund the government past September 30th. There's been a lot of confusion about this. This is part of the deal surrounding the Inflation Reduction Act, of course, which angered people on both sides of the aisle. Here's Chuck Schumer. Permitting reform is part of the IRA, and I intend to add it to the CR and get it done. Yes. Are there any circumstances whatsoever that that could be taken out of the CR? I told you. But you said that for two weeks. I'm just getting I'm saying I'll say it for two weeks in one day. Next. They keep trying. So the Republicans are saying they're not going to support the CR if it has the mansion-driven energy permitting proposals. What do you say to that? There's no reason Republicans shouldn't support it, and I hope they do. Yes. Okay, so that's the back and forth today, Billy House. You were probably standing right there when he said it. Um, what does that mean here? Is, is is he working Republicans on this, or or is he kind of stretching I, I the truth for I mean, reporters? The, the first thing to, to note is that nobody's seen the Mansion proposal actually yet. He's unveiling it tomorrow. This is right. But he, but he's calling it revenge politics. Certainly, the Republicans are out to get him for supporting the. Uh, the spending plan and uh, the climate plan he uh, he joined Democrats with last uh, a couple months ago. So what we have here is uh, a kind of a showdown. Uh, whether you know uh, Democrats uh, are, are really facing a potential shutdown over this, uh, we'll see in the next few days. But uh, it is complicated, if not overly broad, uh, an issue. Yeah. So we'll get some details, some text tomorrow. Uh, the senator says he needs as many as twenty. Republican votes in the Senate uh, to overcome Democratic defections. This is what he was saying today in the Senate radio TV Mm -hmm. gallery. If they're willing to say we're going to close down the government because of a personal attack on me or basically not looking at the good of the the country, this is what makes people sick about politics. Makes me sick about it. Sounds like he's stressing out a little bit, Billy. Well, he is, but what he's also not mentioning is that some of the objections point to uh, this would benefit Equitrons, a company called Equitrons Midstream Corp. Uh, That's right. Uh, uh, which, uh, of course, uh, Manchin is, is, wants to see go through. Uh, so he has a, a kind of personal stake beyond just the uh, broader permitting uh, philosophy. That's the multi-billion dollar Mountain Valley Natural Gas Pipeline. Uh, in, in West exactly. Virginia, yeah, that's that's a pretty big deal, and it would be 
it would help to speed approval of this along with a lot of other permits. Billy, thank you. We'd love to stay in touch with you on all of these. It's uh, It's been quite the merry-go-round lately. And gosh, lawmakers just got back, or at least it seems like it. Billy House with us, Bloomberg Congress reporter. We're going to put this to the panel next. Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis are with us on the fastest hour in politics. We'll check traffic and markets for you on the way as well. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington. This is Bloomberg. Hi, I'm Ron Kraszewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Senator Joe Manchin, of course, not only upset with Republicans right now for not supporting his energy permitting legislation, but, well, he's upset with progressive Democrats, too. In fact, when you listen to him today on Capitol Hill, it smacks almost of a conspiracy. I got to be honest with you, I've been around for a long time in state politics and federal politics. I've never seen stranger bedfellows than Bernie Sanders and the... uh, um, the uh, extreme liberal left siding up with the Republican leadership in the caucus. I've never seen this happen. Uh, so it's uh, it's come to me, what I'm hearing is it's like a revenge politics. Uh, and basically revenge towards one person, me. And I'm thinking, this is not about me. We reassemble the panel now with Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano, Bloomberg Politics contributors. Is this revenge politics, Jeannie? And I ask you that because we could go all the way back through BBB and all the rest of it and the the, the extended debate that went on for over a year uh, between Joe Manch and Chuck Schumer that upset progressive Democrats very much. He ended up getting this together with the Inflation Reduction Act. But uh, they have long memories. They do. You know, it's interesting to hear Joe, Joe Manchin talk about this because, of course, Republicans feel that they, he threw them under the bus That's with the right. IRA. Payback is what he seems to be feeling. They are, you know, taking revenge on him for that. But, of course, his own fellow West Virginia senator, Shelley Moore Capito, she has a permitting package out there. It has the support of about 45 
Republican senators, they're backing it. So he's going to have to try potentially to deal with her. And of course, that bill that she put out that they are supporting, it really does put a lot of pressure on Manchin because much of what it does is codify what happened in the Trump administration. So he's in a bit of a pickle here. He wants them on his side and he can't get either the Democrats or the Republicans. He's going to have to probably play ball with her if he wants anything. But it doesn't sound like he's prepared to do that. Well, if you been with us here on Bloomberg Sound On, you know that dozens of lawmakers are threatening to shut down the government over this, including more than 70 House Democrats. Uh, Ed Markey in the Senate now, Bernie Sanders, of course, in the Senate. This is a problem for Joe Manchin, uh, Rick. Does releasing the actual text tomorrow make any difference? Probably not. I mean, usually the text will divide the room even more, right? There'll be some things in there that uh, <laughs> you know, people who've already supported him want, and then there'll be things in there that even some of the people who might have been supporters are going to say, yeah. no way. So uh, usually the more detail, the worse you're, you're after. And, and look, at the end of the day, there, there's a way to do this, right? Just give him a vote on his amendment to a clean CR. He's not going to pass. And, you know, you move on with a clean CR. So uh, the appropriations guys have dealt with this before. Well, he's and Schumer's going to be right. Notice what he says. You know, he says he's going to include it. Well, including it and having it stripped out as an amendment is not going to, you know, mess up the Schumer commitment. But Schumer can't deliver the votes for him. And and yet he was the vote that delivered the IRA. I'm glad he did the IRA. I think this climate stuff is going to really help our country reposition ourselves in the world and domestically. Yep. Uh, but it's going to cost him. And the idea that somehow, oh, my God, you know, this is a surprise to him that politics is like this. He's been a legislative terrorist for the last two years. He wow. loved being called the most important guy in Washington. And this is the price you pay. He did seem pretty stressed out. Like I said, he seemed uh, he seemed spooked almost at the podium today, Gene. He's not used to being on this side of the thing. He's not. And <laughs> Rick, that is a great phrase, a legislative Political. terrorist, which he has been for a couple of years, and it's coming right back to him. And he seemed what? pretty stunned by that. Otherwise, he's a very good actor to play stunned the way he <laughs> well, did So today. what does this mean, Jeannie? If this isn't going to end up in the CR, Democrats already told us that same-sex marriage had to wait until after the midterms, right? So this is going to be a clean bill? That's what it sounded like. It was supposed like. to be loaded up a couple weeks ago. Yeah, it, it, they're going to be, you know, lucky to get this thing passed clean and get back onto the campaign trail, which is what wow. everybody there knows that they need to do at this point. So I think they're going to end up doing it clean. I think Rick's right. They may put this up for a vote, but it's, he doesn't have the votes to get it through. Rick and Jeannie are with us. Our signature panel on Sound On. I've got to ask you both about the immigration uh, debate crisis, whatever we're going to call it here, because it goes on. Now, the latest reports this morning were that Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, was sending a plane load. And by way of Texas again, I still I get confused with this, but the plane load was headed toward Delaware. He had been promising to do this. Of course, that is the home state of President Joe Biden. They were going to send him up to Rehoboth Beach or something. Uh, The press secretary, Corrine Jean-Pierre, in fact, acknowledged these reports today in the briefing room. We have received uh, word of the flights. uh, And uh, yes, we are coordinating closely with state officials uh, and local service providers who are prepared to welcome uh, these families in an orderly manner as they pursue uh, their asylum claims. But no plane ever showed up, apparently. This is interesting. We're playing games now. Uh, No plane, according to reports, left Texas as of 9.30 a.m., Uh, that had been scheduled. 
Uh, reporters and photographers looked for signs of the plane in Texas and Florida. No one ever took off. No one ever landed. Officials now say no plane is expected. So, you know, I don't know if they show up on Saturday night here when uh, the Bidens are least expecting it. But Mitch McConnell was asked about it today. Uh, this, of course, is very much top of mind here in the nation's capital. The minority leader in the Senate was all for it. I personally thought it was a good idea. Uh, but if you add it up, all of the uh, illegals who've been taken to Chicago or Washington or Martha's Vineyard, it would be fewer than people down in Texas have to deal with on a daily basis. When the vice president says the border is secure, it's absurdly incorrect. The president of the United States asked directly about it today as he talked about a completely different topic at the White House before he left for the U.N. You can hear reporters shouting questions at him. Why is the border more overwhelmed under your watch, Mr. President? Because there are three countries that are never happened. He's on his way out the door. He comes back to the border. There are immigrants coming from Central America Let's get him on from a Mexico. Mic. This is a totally different circumstance. What's on my watch now is Venezuela. Cuba and Nicaragua. And the ability to send them back to those states is not rational. You could send them back and have them wait. We're working with Mexico and other countries to see if we can stop the flow. But that's the difference. Thank you. And that's it. He took off, left the room. That was the end of it. What's your thought on this, Rick, the way it's being managed by the White House? Because Republicans seem to be in sync. The president there uh, told us why they could not go back to their countries, but never really followed up with a solution. Yeah, no, the idea that somehow, you know, he's got like a handle on this because there are fewer immigrants from Honduras, but more from Venezuela is nuts, right? Those aren't talking points that are going to cause you to be on top of the immigration. uh, uh, Is his point that it's different because we'd have to fly them home or fly them to a dangerous place or both? It's it's all got to do with economics and crime, right? And it it vacillates in all these areas, right? I mean, we all remember the first waves of immigration that we can remember in the 1980s was all out of Cuba. and nobody was paying any attention to Honduras or Nicaragua. So the bottom line is there's no border strategy that this administration has perfected. They they don't have a worker guest worker program that's been effective. They don't have a way to facilitate asylum. And, and look, I think that the idea that you're importing immigrants from Texas to Florida to fly them to Delaware is a joke, right? I mean, like, we should all be laughing about this, not having the press secretary of the White House take it seriously. Um, the reality is it's just a political stunt, and we ought to say stunts are not, you know, useful at solving a problem. Yeah. You want to solve the problem, this administration has to have a border strategy. And and the fact that they're two years into this, and they're going to go into the midterm election cycle with, like, an explanation that, oh, they, they all came through a different road, so we weren't yeah, prepared, right. is not an explanation. So, Jeannie, what did you want to hear Joe Biden say today? He, they, they set it up for him. He wasn't getting out of the room without answering this question. Yeah, you know, this goes back, predates uh, Joe Biden by many, many years and many presidents. This has been the issue that has vexed Republican and Democratic presidents alike going back decades. And he is no exception to that. Every 
single thinking person in this country realizes we have an immigration migration crisis that needs to be addressed. It hasn't been addressed in this presidency and it wasn't addressed in the previous ones. But the reality is what we're seeing here is politics by performance. We know we have a problem. There should be policy solutions. There are everything from DACA, which should not be that difficult to get through. None of this has been addressed and Republicans have no plan to do it either. And these stunts that they are continuing to do are simply aimed at making their opponents look bad, meaning DeSantis and Abbott, rather than addressing the problem. If these guys were serious, they would be in Washington and they would be talking about how can we address this issue. None of that has happened. And it's distressing and should be for all Americans. The president was asked today directly about the DeSantis idea, by the way, of flying migrants to Delaware. Uh, as he was trying to get out of the room, you know, he's just they're shouting questions at him, and he had what he thought, I guess, was a humorous answer. Do you sending uh, migrants to Delaware? Do you have any comment or response to that, sir? He should come visit. We have a beautiful shoreline. He should come visit. We have a beautiful shoreline. And the door slammed. How about the door in that room, by the way? I mean, talk. that is a dramatic exit. The way you do it, don't let it... Uh, so what do you think then, uh, Jeannie? Does, is that the way to close the conversation? No, it's not. They had a one-month-old baby on that plane that arrived here and came to D.C. He should be talking about the seriousness of this issue and the fact that you don't play politics and performance politics with people's lives. Yeah. And he should be talking about solutions to this issue, not you know inviting people to visit the shore of Delaware, on, which is beautiful. Is I he agree. egging on DeSantis, Rick? Uh, I don't think he's egging on DeSantis. He's just trying to deflect it because I think it's obviously getting under his, uh, you know, uh, uh, ire. I mean, like, this is actually stopping the White House from getting something productive done on it. So DeSantis, you know, is getting more credit for this than he should. It's not a solution to the problem. Comprehensive immigration reform. In New York, Jeannie Shanzano in D.C. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.